Hey beautiful souls, my name is Aralua and welcome to the Fierce Feminine Rising. Join me every Wednesday where together we grow and experience how our emotions, which we were taught for years was our weakness, can actually be the superpower that makes the life of our dreams a reality. If you are new here, be sure to click that follow button as it does help the show grow and it also lets you know when I upload a new episode. Hey Fierce Feminines, I'm so excited because we're doing things differently today. For the first time ever, I've got someone else on the podcast. Like, <laughs> I probably feel I'm more excited than you guys are, but I am going to let her introduce herself. I know we normally do our check-in, but I'll let her do an intro first and then we'll go into our check-in like we normally do. So without further ado, can you please share with us who you are? Hi. My name is Rona Bissett and I am a mindset coach for women and I work with women particularly around um, adversity who've gone through certain adversities in their life so um, that's what I do and, and thank you so much for letting me onto your podcast today I can't wait to have this chat with you. <laughs> thank you it's a pleasure and just so you know this is the first time I'm doing this so <laughs> bear with me and we're gonna learn together as we go basically. <laughs> Of course, of course. <laughs> so, Rona, as I was saying, and um, normally with my episodes, I do what I call a check-in. And it's essentially, I'll just quickly explain, actually, the idea behind that is that for years, I was always just coined moody or a moody cow. And like never, when there's like how many emotions out there, I think there's like 27 or more, more emotions that a human can experience. And for years I had a phase of just like calling myself moody, but not knowing why. So now what I try and do is I try and identify my emotions. So I'm going to ask you if you can identify what emotion you're feeling right now. Um, what emotion am I feeling right now at this moment? I think I'm feeling pretty calm because it's the weekend. <laughs> it's like, it's like a release, you know, those five days have gone. I've got the calm for the weekend and I actually, I'm doing something great tomorrow. So I'm hanging out with an old school friend. So I've got like, I'm very calm and just, you know, settled and I'm, I'm feeling really good because I'm doing this podcast with you. So it's nice. I'm a little bit, a little bit excited as well, you know? <laughs> Yay. That, so that makes two. I'm also feeling excited. I would say I've got butterflies as well, because like I said, this is out of the usual for me. So I, I'm glad that we're both feeling excited. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Rona, you mentioned before actually that you're a mindset coach. So I just wanted to actually ask you, maybe if you can give us a further explanation, because I know there are some people who may not have heard of that term before. So maybe do you want to explain to us what exactly you do? A typical, well, so what exactly in your words is a mindset coach and then what a typical day looks like for you? Well, as a mindset coach, um, what a mindset coach for me looks like is somebody who takes you through a process of when you actually have to start using your mind to make some changes in your life. So it's, it's kind of taking people back to basics for me, because a lot of people, it's very easy to have goals and set goals and all of that. But sometimes we don't think about what we're thinking about. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I particularly, particularly work with women who have gone through adversity. So some type of trauma, 
maybe it's an illness, bankruptcy, whatever it may be, but particularly women who have gone through that and having to get through to the other side. So it's a, there's a starting point and an ending point. My day, oh my God, I work, I work in so many different ways because I do workshops and I do mm -hmm. one-to-ones. Um, and I, I also have an accountability group that I have that I work with people. Basically, I see them like I have a six month kind of program running. So I see mm -hmm. them like every week for six months and they, they check in with me and things like that. No, you're speaking my language. I mean, you've said a lot there, but I was just like, yes, girl, yes. I was trying not to click <laughs> while you were talking, to be honest. Um, and I was going to, because, I mean, that's very interesting. And you just mentioned adversity. And I find that so interesting because, again, it might just be from my experience, but even in my own small circle, I do find it unfortunate that, it takes a very extreme situation for women to typically be like, maybe I need to seek help. And yeah. I don't know what you think when I say that, because I find that a lot, that a lot of, especially women of color, to be honest, and I didn't want to jump onto this topic, but again, I'm speaking from what I know. And I find that it takes a lot for a woman to stand up and be like, I need help. Absolutely. I mean, I have um, a kind of a three factor approach to adversity. Um, my, my number one factor is that it's going to happen. Everybody mm -hmm. goes through something at some time in their lives, whether it is a divorce, a, a relationship breakup, whether it's an illness, whether it's bankruptcy, whether, it, you know, whatever it is, you're going to go through something. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to like oh I don't want to go through that I don't want to mm. deal with that so I'm trying yeah. to get away from it and the more you try to get away from it it links you to something else so you're going to go through something so it's about just literally embracing it and saying mm. okay this is what's happened to me. but the second part I would look at is like you are not the adversity you must separate yourself from the adversity because we're very we've, we, we take it on as if it becomes us so if we're going through something difficult and it's a, a bad divorce, well, the divorce is bad because of me. It's because of the way I am. It's because, you know, we put it on ourselves as opposed to this is what is happening to us. I mean, I saw something on actually social media not long ago where there was a teacher who was with his students and he had something like a hundred dollar bill. It was an American thing. And he had a hundred dollar bill. And he said to how many, there were about 30 students in the class who wants this. And they all put their hands up, obviously, because it's a hundred dollar bill. Then he screwed it up. And he said, who wants this? And they all put their hands up because it's a hundred dollar bill. Then he threw it on the floor and stomped on it. And he says, who wants this? And they all put their hands up. And he says, but why is it when life does the same thing to us, do we then become less of who we are? And I find that is particularly, particularly common in a lot of women. And mm -hmm. going through what I've gone through, I've seen it. I've actually seen it and done it myself and felt it. A lot of what I do is based on my own experience. And lastly, of course, is we always think that we can go back. We want things to how it was, how it could, how it was, how it how it was when it was twenty years ago. I want to I want to look the way I looked twenty years ago, mm. and you're now forty five years old. And the reality is, it's about moving forward. Life is a progression, and it's about progressing in life. And a lot of adversities I've personally gone through, which we'll mm. discuss later, is um it's propelled me. It's led me on to something different. It's given me the opportunity. So. And adversity can be, can literally be an opportunity to just 
turn things around, make things different. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you switch on a light and all of a sudden everything's the way you want it to be. It's something you've got to work on. And I've spent a lot of time working on myself. And I think that that is so important for women to kind of like to start to gather and start to think about. I'm like pausing, <laughs> but like everything you're saying, I can feel it. I was trying to like understand what, what part of my body I was feeling. I could feel it like radiating in my chest because I, <laughs> I mean, I hear everything you're saying and it's like, sometimes it I'm like what do you have to do to wake people up and like let them understand Absolutely. that like like and you said something that I think is very important they're not the adversity but I feel like a lot of women again and I don't want to speak for people but similar to you when you speak from your experience I'm speaking from my experience and I know how I struggle to ask for help I know and I I think one of the reasons is, and again, I don't want to pull on um, certain medical conditions and label myself with certain conditions, which I've never actually been identified to have, but because I know some people talk about like functional depression, for example, where because you're still a functioning person, you just keep going and you just go on autopilot. And I find, again, unfortunately, more than I'd like to admit, I find a lot of women I, I see that, I observe that with women around me. So I was just, when you were talking and I, now I'm thinking there's two questions I want to ask you, but the first one is what advice would you give to a woman who is going through, and I know there's so many types of adversity out there, but anyone listening right now and feels like, oh my God, like I'm hearing what she's saying. And I think I am going through something like this. What advice would you give to that woman? I think I think the first thing is to to recognize that it's something you're going through. I think it, it is it is really essential, as I said before, it's really essential to know that it's something you're going through. This time, this too will pass. It will pass. It's something that you're going through. You're not going to be in it forever. Um, actually, you said something so poignant just a minute ago. You said about um, we kind of cope with it. We're kind of functioning with mm. some of the things we're going through and um I suffered from anemia severely I suffered from really really bad anemia where I um I remember going to the I, I literally couldn't walk I'd walk down I'd walk a few a few yards or so and I start breathing like panting mm. and um I remember going to the doctor and the doctor said to me I took a blood test this is quite a while back this was about 12 15 years ago I took a blood test and the doctor said to me okay here's some iron tablets here's some folic acid take these get go to get the prescription take these you know once one three times a day and whatever by the time I got home the doctor calls me and says to me Miss Bissett you need to triple your dose and you need to come back to the doctor surgery next week if your blood hasn't gone up mm. we need to call you into hospital for a blood transfusion because you're going to have to have you are like I think I was like something like five or six and it's supposed to be something like 12 or 14 so my levels were so 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 low and from that it led on to me having um I, I ended up having fibroids so oh, okay. I, I ended up suffering with fibroids and coping for two years and like when I think I literally I look at where I was and I think about the coping I did for two years for two years, I let myself cope with the, the way my fibroids were. For two years, I had a menstrual cycle for three weeks, a month. For two years, I let that happen. And I just, 
I just coped with it. I just, I found ways of coping. I made sure I had adequate stuff in my bag for me for, you know, when I needed it, I made sure I had an extra pair of pants when I was at work. I was Mm. everything, everything I did to cope instead of going to get the help I needed. And that's what, that's, that's what we do. We cope, Mm. we find coping mechanisms. And the funny thing is, it's almost like we're geared up to do that because we look after our children. We look after our parents. We look after our partners. It's almost like that's what we do. We cope. We try to make Mm. things better. We try to cope with whatever's going on. But when it comes to us, we don't take it into consideration and look after who we are number one first. And we're just strolling through and we really suffer. We, We literally go through some serious suffering. When I look, if I look back at that young lady, I would like be like, you can't do that to yourself. That's ridiculous. Mm. You could have killed yourself. And it, until I did, when I when I made a decision and I went to the doctor and I had the fibroids, because I my stomach was huge. I was like six months pregnant, they mm. told me. I looked like I was six months pregnant. And I remember the doctor saying to me, okay, well, we can either blast these fibroids or you can have a hysterectomy. But if we blast them, they probably can come back. Mm. So we advise you to have the hysterectomy. So I took the hysterectomy. And when I think about um, all that I had coped with and not doing anything about it, and actually the reason I made that decision was because I was actually using um, tampons and I was using more than one at the time. Mm. And like, I remember watching an episode of Casualty where they said you could die from toxic something syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh my God, I'm putting myself under that type of risk instead of seeking the help I am. So I was putting my life at risk instead of seeking the help I did. But then... It kind of backfired on me because when I had the hysterectomy, I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal for me emotionally. So there was a kind of, then I, I kind of shift from out of the frying pan into the fire and having a hysterectomy was a massive deal for me. I couldn't have children. All of a sudden I was like, what am I going to do? Am I a woman? Am I not a woman? How do I exist? And I actually went into a small depression during that time. And it's about us just putting ourselves in those positions all the time I mean I look I even look I even look back at the hysterectomy and some of the things I could have done when I first found out I had fibroids which could have mm. stopped me from having it but I, I was I fe- and I felt so alone like I, I felt you would have thought I was the only woman who ever had a hysterectomy you know so it's about re- reaching out and getting that help as you said like it's so sometimes it's so hard for us women to just say you know what I can't do this I need somebody to help me out I need a hand to help me out to get through it to get through to the other side Wow. I mean, I'm laughing. It's probably nervous laughter, but it's also interesting because, I mean, we didn't, we didn't even know we've had conversations before this episode, but I mean, I hadn't even shared this with you. So actually listening to you. So I've also had a turbulent um, health, like health wise, I've had four operations. I have, I've had ovarian cancer. I've had fibroids similar to you. Um, Honestly, like it was two major operations and two so-called minors, um, and it's similar to you. So I had a ovarian cyst, ovarian cancer. Uh, so one time it was ovarian cancer, then ovarian cyst, then fibroids as well. But it's, I mean, and like you said, actually, when you say you're not the only one who's gone through a hysterectomy, but what I'm hearing is that. I was going through that as well. And similar to you, I was just coping. I was getting on with it. Um, and I'm like, I can't complain. Like, at least my life is good. At least I'm alive. And yeah, to be honest, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to jump. I mean, I say this and I kind of joke about it on my podcast. Like, 
I don't want to blame everything on childhood trauma, but being from a West African culture, and I was born and raised in Nigeria, lived there for 13 years before I moved over here, I do know that there's traces of me where I was raised to not complain. It was like, don't complain, just get on with it. At least you're alive. At least you can breathe. At least you can. And I see... um, I see the good in like wanting people to focus on the benefits, but not when it's to their detriment. Like I'm hearing you and I'm hearing me and I'm like, wow, like we were going through a lot. And similar to you, I also had anemia for years, similar to you to the point where the nurse was like, you can stop blood circulating to your brain if you don't carry on taking this anemia and i'm just like, i'm fine and she's like what do you mean you're fine similar to you my levels were like dangerously low and i was still getting up and going to work i was still like you know what i'll just get on with it still trying to get promoted instead of actually paying attention to my health yeah and your body's giving you all the symptoms all the signs you know like for instance i i used to work in a school and i was um a safeguarding officer so I had to go to a lot of social services meetings for young people so all these meetings I would go to I'd get there five minutes late so that I wouldn't have to sit down now mentally that is doing so much to myself I I would I would there were so many things I would do so I wouldn't have to sit down I would I used to catch a train from Walthamstow to Finsbury Park um, the Victoria line it starts at Walthamstow so I'm one of the first people to get on the train I would stand First thing in the morning. So I didn't have to sit down because I was so afraid of spoiling myself. And it's about that. That for me is just like, it's, it was like, it was just so like, how did I keep myself? I, I don't even know how I did it. If I think about it now, like I couldn't do that now. It would drive me crazy. Yeah. But I did it. I did it for two years straight while suffering, the you know, the physical suffering, yeah. you know, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And women tend to do that kind of stuff. We tend to, to cope. And I totally understand what you say, like when you talked about coming from an African family, I come from a Caribbean family, but I think it's also about, well, it's a secret. Like, you know, this happened mm. to me, but it's hush, hush. And not until I started my business quite recently, about two and a half years ago, did I start talking about it. Because before, I mean, I remember the first time my business coach said you had to talk about your story. I remember not even being able to say hysterectomy. I'd say, oh, I had an operation. You know, and like, because it was like, it was so like hidden inside of me and almost like being able to say it, it's just like a release. It's a complete and utter release. And by doing what I do now, I actually, I hear other women, just like yourself. I had no idea about your history, nothing, knew nothing about your history. I was doing a practice run with, um, on the webinar with my actual, my business coach, like when all of us, we all get together, then three of the people on the on the coaching session phones me up and they're like, hey, Rona, you know what? I've gone through the same thing. Like, it's just so, like, women are going through all these things all by themselves, suffering by themselves and thinking that it's all their fault and having to deal with it and not seeing past it. And my thing is, if I can work with you to help you see past that, see part because people come out on the other other side you will go out of your way for other people to make sure they come past go past through what they go through why can't you do it for yourself that's my question why can't you do it for you that's i mean honestly i feel like that's so powerful beyond 
beyond words because so I've started I mean I tried in the past I, I've talked about this openly on my podcast but I've recently gone again into entrepreneurship and I know some people for some people it's about like it's exciting it's uh, get freedom and yes I've done it for that but it might be shocking to some people that one of my one of my uh, driving forces behind wanting to be an entrepreneur again was to look after my health because I know that in the so a lot of my focus um Rona was working with professional women and career women who are still in their nine to five because I I mean having worked in HR a lot of what we emphasize is stress in the workplace burnout but now I'm hearing you talk about fibroids and it was bringing back a story which like you said I've never shared this but I remember one time where similar to you I was constantly having to change my tampons like it was like every 20, it got to a point where it was like every 20 minutes, which is so ridiculous. But I remember one time I had two one hour meetings back to back and I did not feel the courage to be able to say, excuse me, I just need to like pop away. So I literally Absolutely. sat there and let myself bleed because I had two one hour meetings back to back. And now I like similar to you, I look back, I'm like, how on earth did I let myself do that? Like that's just beyond me. And so now literally like one of my driving forces is just to have a healthier life. And I'm hearing you and like, I know now I want to stop having to cope. Like what's the point of living life if you're just living life to cope, if you're just living life to get by, if you're just like, I believe life is to be experienced absolutely absolutely it is absolutely to be experienced and we're not experiencing it we're just coping and while we're doing that and saying that you see the funny thing is we're doing that but we're doing so much up for other people we're making sure that everybody exactly. is taken care of we're making sure that everybody else's needs is being kept we're ma we're making sure everything for everybody else everything but we're and, and like we're, we're just like it's almost like it's not happening to us you know i seriously when i sit and look at where i was i just can't believe, i just like i look at i look at it and i'm like I can't, I couldn't go through that. That's madness. Who does that kind of stuff to themselves? But the reality is I did it to me. Mm. That's the reality of it. And it, it's so, and I think as, as a woman, we go through a lot, period. Like, just like, you know, the fact that we have menstrual cycles, the mm. fact that we have smear tests, if we, you know, like, like the fact that we have to go through physical smear tests, which are one of the most painful things, I think, ever, <laughs> you know, to do it. I mean, and I recently... laugh about it, but the amount of times I've skipped my smear test just because I'm just like, I don't want to go get undressed and go through that process. And, but again, it's like but not that... prioritizing my health. Exactly. And like now, like, like I've turned into this new age where I'm, I'm in my fifties now. So like I have my first mammogram. I was petrified, absolutely petrified. And it wasn't about the cancer. It was like two metal plates. I was so, so afraid that I was like, I was going to be in pain. I bought a sports bra with me, everything. I was so, and then when I got there, it wasn't actually that bad. I must admit it wasn't that bad. But the fact that you have to go through this process and you're not like, oh my God. Like, because if I had a choice, I probably wouldn't have gone. But because I was like, you know what, I have to go through this. You know, my mom's had breast cancer, you know, so my sister had a cyst and stuff. I, I need to make sure I do this. And when I went, and the strange thing is I was online and I was reading everything online and it was saying it's more, more prominent in black women. Well, there, tick. Mm. It's more prominent in women between the ages of 40 and 60. 
tick is more prominent if your pair if your immediate family have had breast cancer have had some type of cancer both my mom and dad have had cancer tick is more prominent if you're overweight i'm slightly overweight Sick. I'm like, oh Lord, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh so it's Lord. Like, exactly. <laughs> everything, everything. I had a tick for everything. So, but I was really fearful of it. And when I went and did it, it's not so bad. And it's like, I I would like I would share my experience about just going for just going for a mammogram just to let people know that listen, it ain't half as much bad as you think it is. I do think now though, with this whole AI thing going on, they need to create a different machine because that whole kind of squeezing your breast in two metal places is not great. <laughs> I do think they got this AI that can do so many different things. I say create a new type of machine. <laughs> There's got to be a different way. <laughs> this is what I have to look forward to for my 50s. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. Oh my it isn't, god. It isn't bad. It isn't bad. <laughs> um, so actually I was just trying to reflect on what you said when it comes to supporting women with adversity and even just getting them to take the step to get the support. What I'm hearing is number one, the recognition within themselves that they are going through some kind of adversity. And number two, that does not have to be their identity. Just because they're going through the adversity, they, they are their own person outside of it. The other thing I'm hearing is, oh, it's just skipped my mind. Oh, speaking up. So I heard you talk about it, like being able to share their experience as well um, to be able to get through instead of just coping to be able to get to a space where they've actually thrived through the adversity, what else would you like to share um, again with a well, woman you know, who's. You, you, you talked about it, particularly as black women, as a black woman whose parents come from the Caribbean, we've got a lot of beliefs that we're holding on to a lot of beliefs around a lot of things that we haven't been able to let go of. So one of the reasons I, I truly think I never spoke about it was because that, in my culture, you don't speak about that. You know, that's like, even saying that you've got a menstrual cycle was a big deal. You don't, like, it's like, almost like I don't have one. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, it happens to all women. And all those type of things we, we hold back on because like, like the thought of soiling myself in public and going through, it's like, I was going through something physically. That was something I was going through something. Mm. It's not about, oh my God, I've made a mess of myself. So it's, it's like, but to me, it was like a big embarrassment and it couldn't happen to me. And it was, and that's what we do. We we take it upon ourselves as it's us. And it's something that we need to keep really, really quiet. So I think like a lot of women have to look up where some of their beliefs about certain things come from. If your belief is like you grow up in an environment where the belief is that when you get married, you stay married no matter what. Does that mean you stay in a bad relationship where you are abused because the belief is that that's what you do? And I'm like, no, but that doesn't mean the bad marriage is you. It means that you're in a bad marriage and you need to find your way out. You know what I mean? So it's 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 really about, about those type of things. And it's also about what it is that's going through your mind. Because I think thoughts are so, um, we don't take much into what we think about. And I think that a lot of us, spend a lot of time saying the negative things about ourselves to ourselves oh well you got this because you know I, I know for a fact 
that I blame everything on my weight. Like I'm overweight. Oh, this is happening because you're overweight. That's happening because you're overweight. And I think a lot of people do that. They they blame things on themselves because they find things that and, and they don't even realize they're doing it. And they find things and they don't even realize it's it's because um you know I I was you know I like so many different things. I can't I can't even think of them right now. But so many different things about blaming things on themselves. And they will talk to themselves. Like they wouldn't talk to their best friends or their siblings or, you know, their children or their husband. They, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm not able. I can't make that difference. And I, for me, I think when you go through adversity, sometimes it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to be able to take it and propel. I would not be able to talk the way I talk about adversity and to talk about women going through having fibroids and unless I could talk about my experience. So I'm able to do that because I've had the experience. Now, would I have liked my life without having fibroids? Of course. But the fact that I did, I'm able to do that. Oh my God, Rona. Honestly, like if you let me, I could probably talk for hours, but I'm just conscious of time. And I honestly, please accept this as an invite. I'm already inviting you to a future episode because I think we need a part two. Because <laughs> this is it's just such an interesting topic. And I completely agree that whole like it's been taboo. Because even while you were talking, I was thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I just shared that I was sitting in my own blood for, for two hours just because I was facilitating a meeting and didn't want to stand up. Or even just say to them because it was over it was virtual but because I felt that obligation and the responsibility that I was the one facilitating the meeting I couldn't just like put myself off camera for five minutes to run to the toilet and it's just so ridiculous because like going back to what you were saying I wouldn't do that to someone I love and I wouldn't wish that on someone I love and if someone I love told me that that happened I would be like what is wrong with you like why like no meeting is that important that you have to go through an experience like that but when it came to me I let that happen but um honestly I'm like where should we end it because because if not, we're just going to keep talking. But like I said, honestly, I am going to end it there. But I do want to invite you back because this is such an important oh, I topic. Love it. I would love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but before we run out of time, I want you to share where people can find you where if they're interested in finding out more about your work. Well, I'm I'm at the self-help hub. Selfhelphub.co.uk um, is my website or .com because you can go on either one and find me. I'm on self-help hub for women 40 and beyond on my Facebook page. I'm on the self-help hub for women. Oh, for women. It's for the number four, for women um, at self-help hub for women on Instagram. And I'm on the self-help hub for women on TikTok. So it's all self-help hub for women, but for being the number four love it don't worry I'm definitely gonna make sure I share it in my description as well so people have the correct details as well but Rona thank you so much once again it's been a pleasure and we know it's definitely not going to be the last time I'm hoping you say yes I'm just throwing out the invite Absolutely, I would love to I would love to and I I, I can't wait until the actual podcast comes out so I can hear it and it'll be brilliant I, I loved it I loved having the conversation with you I am so grateful for you to share with me just like I shared with you and it's been fantastic thank you so much Rona thank you thank you it's my pleasure definitely so if you resonated with that episode 
be sure to hit the follow button and tell your friend to tell a friend that we are sick and tired of reciting daily affirmations, listening to motivational speakers, reading self-help books, yet still being stuck in that soul-destroying job instead of taking the plunge into the dream career we deeply crave or starting that purposeful business we know will give us better fulfillment and free up more of our time to do more of the things we love. It is time for us to fiercely commit to ourselves and finally achieving our dreams, goals and desires, even if the thought overwhelms or scares the living daylight out of us. (sighs) 